Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today I have a special guest who I'll let introduce herself in a minute. Uh, Today is going to be all about email copywriting, and our special guest is one of the best out there. We've had the experience working with Nikki. Oops, I wasn't supposed to say a word. Nikki, introduce yourself. And I already told her, no pressure. She has to nail the first 90 seconds to uh, to keep everyone (laughs) listening, so no pressure. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining. I'm Nikki Alvaz. I run a micro agency for SaaS and e-commerce doing email marketing. And yes, like Brad mentioned, we had the privilege of working with his team and on their email onboarding, I believe it was. And by the way, their team is awesome. So if you use the product, you already know that if you don't use the product, now you do, you should use it. But what I find really cool about working in email for SaaS and e-commerce is that we get to steal strategies from both sides. So we get to kind of see both ecosystems and enjoy what each one is doing really well and play around with it and develop really cool strategies that, you know, if you just kind of go in the flow in the same industry, just things kind of get stale. So it's it's fun to keep current with the different industries uh, and play around with things. So that's kind of yeah. our, I guess, secret sauce. Um, so that's, that's my intro. <laughs> You're going to pull me into a tangent because it's been something I wanted to share more about how e-com and SaaS there's like the marketing playbooks are becoming more and more similar. Mm-hmm. When you think about activation, so in SaaS, it's really about activating customers and product-led growth and e-com. Now you have, I don't know what the percentage of brands using subscriptions and you have to activate and retain customers, but that's for another convo. But I love that you use that <laughs> in your uh, copywriting. All right. So today you're just going to get a, a ton of email and copywriting knowledge that you can digest and pull away. It'll be a combination of what Nikki and her team are just seeing what performs very well, copywriting tips for market changes. So whether it was what we saw with COVID and what we could potentially apply to what's happening in today's market, and then just seeing where where Nikki goes for her own creative inspiration. So with that, let's jump into that. So where do you go for your own copy and creative inspiration? Because if you haven't read any of Nikki's, you can just go... I think you can still go to your site and just opt into the dry run where you just get all of the emails right away. Yes. But the the copywriting is very entertaining. And I think that's a big thing we're seeing with, with media in general and, and advertising is just make it entertaining, entertain people. Or whether you're SaaS or e-com, we are marketing to people. So entertaining, making people laugh, we'll keep them around. So where do you go for creative inspiration and keeping up to date on what's going to make people smile? I always just go straight to my inbox. So I subscribe to way too many newsletters and and not even they're not even newsletters they're just you know email lists you know i get all the blasts i get all the the content just everything and anything that the annoying stuff the good stuff the bad stuff um because you just I, i glean so much from just seeing what's out there knowing you know okay what's the baseline what are people seeing what are they expecting and just cool ideas that you pick up from anywhere you know the, from brands that you would completely not expect to do cool interesting things you'll you'll find something that becomes like your most number one winning test to you know the brands that everyone's talking about and then you see them and you're kind of like well 
it's a little flat or, oh, hey, I see that idea, but let me let me flip it and do it like this. So definitely just in the wild, the stuff that's out there, it's gold. And it's not just, you know, like the feedback that I always get, the, the critique on that is like, okay, so you're seeing what's, what's now, you're not seeing what's then, but you're not copy pasting, you're using it for inspiration. So all that stuff can inspire you for future campaigns, automations, things like that. Uh, it doesn't have to be current to kind of get a feel for, okay, here's a cool idea. Here's another interesting uh, tactic that we can try. Uh, so definitely just whatever's out there is, is number one. And it's, it's kind of reminding me. So a lot of people, when I meet them, they say, oh, okay, what do you do? And I say email marketing and they say, what's that? Um, so <laughs> my, my go-to is always like, okay, so you know how like you, uh, you shop at Carter's, you shop at Kohl's and then you get like a million emails. So that, that's me. Hi. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah. they're like, oh, I hate you. <laughs> Um, so it's really interesting to get their feedback on like, okay, so what don't you like? What do you like? Because my, my thought is always like, oh, the 40% off sale, the 30% off the 20%. Oh, blast, blast, you know, like the sale, the sale, the sale, you know, like you must hate those. And they're like, no, actually I like hearing about the promos and then kind of digging into what people like, what people don't like. And, you know, basically what it comes down to is when it's just boring, they're just going to be looking for the the discounts and when there's content to it when there's a community when there's engagement when it's where it's it feels more like the brand cares about them that's when they start to care more about the product and less about the discounts so it's just something interesting in terms of like seeing what's out there and playing around and, and listening to the people and what they like uh it's just it's a, yeah. an absolute gold mine of, of 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 inspiration yeah you mentioned something in the beginning and it was you find something that inspires you and then you test it. So is that a almost like a default? If you find something and you have your status quo going or your campaign running, is it just, I'm going to, I have this new idea, new, this new idea, I'm going to AB test this versus what we have and see if it outperforms. Is that the default is testing? I guess it's more, okay, here's this cool idea. Let's, let's try it out and see how it works. Um, not okay. necessarily against a control that's already working more. Let's try this now. And then if it feels too risky, let's build a control to kind of be our, our backup plan, yeah. not a control, but you know, let's, let's build a, a default backup plan kind of thing, uh, to go underneath it. Uh, and then, and then to test and see how it goes. Yeah. Are there any sites? At, is it marketingexamples.com or market? Is that, I think it's marketingexamples.com or marketingcopy.com. Are there any sites out there that just take emails and there's just like a wall of creative emails that are very funny, useful, and, and can be that idea board or the swipe board that someone else can just do for you and you just go check it out? Yes, there are a bunch. Um, really good emails is like a very popular one, but I find that they are not the best for e-commerce because they're kind of just like everything, which, you know, again, you get to pull from different uh, industries. It's it's a good thing. But Mild is one that I believe is only e-commerce or mostly like in the retail e-commerce space. And which the one that I really like is MailCharts because they don't just do the campaigns. So the downside of MailCharts is that it's a paid, um, in order to yeah. access like the really good stuff is the paid plan. But they give you the journeys, not just the campaigns. So whereas, you know, milled and really good emails is just, it's just random campaigns. You know, there's not really rhyme or reason to like, you know, you could search and there's categories and things like that, but you don't get to just look at one brand and see, you know, their entire email marketing strategy, all like what their automations are, their abandoned cart looks like, what, you know, it's, it's absolutely everything. So it's so important to see it within context. And that's why I really like looking in my inbox versus looking at these, I definitely use these yeah. kind of like curated, uh, you know, 
pin board kind of things. But the the benefit that I see of the inbox is that you get all the context of, you know, what came before, what came after, um, and you know, what what's the journey that they're building. So MailChimp yeah. really gives you a nice journey. So that's that's why it's my favorite. <laughs> cool. Now to put you on a spot, what's some of the best <laughs> copy or creative that you've seen recently that others listening can R and D, i.e. steal, rob and duplicate? <laughs> <laughs> um there's one brand that I saw recently that I was like, yes, they're my favorite. I haven't seen like emails from them in forever and they're so good, but they're a SaaS brand. So they're less useful. Uh, Bonjoro, they do like email tracking and email. Um, I don't know, just like, you know, like uh, pro- productivity stuff for your inbox. Um, they're just, they're just funny and engaging, but also very conversion focused. So, you know, they, they really are benefit focused and feature, like they marry the features with the benefits and they really like unspool exactly what you need and they're very relevant, but they just have these like liners that just, you know, you, you're smiling as you're reading them and yeah. it's, you know, it's this typical dry feature email. And then it's just like, oh, that's fun. And they just get you. So it's just good inspiration. One brand that I always mention with e-commerce uh, inspiration is Baboon to the Moon because they are just so weird. Like absolutely. <laughs> I don't know who's writing them and what they're on while they're writing them, but they're just wild. They are to the moon. Um, So I feel like sometimes with creativity, it helps to just see something crazy and kind of boil it down. So baboon to the moon, baboon to the moon, (laughs) even the name, like, what does that even mean? They sell like backpacks and fanny packs and things like that. Like it's not anything crazy, but they just, they have so many fun, interesting things. That's just, uh, it just helps to see that kind of stuff. Oh, and Drizzly is another one that do email really, really well. They segment well, they just have a lot of fun with their emails and, and, and they're very vocal about the fact that they're sending you emails, you know, so they'll, they'll play around with the idea that they're sending emails. So it's just, it's just uh, like another interesting angle and they send a lot of emails. So you get a lot of interesting campaign ideas for like the, the dead weeks and the boring kind of like, you know, dry times when you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be sending my list. So it's, it's just helpful to, to see that kind of stuff. Yeah. Drizzly is without an E and no double L's, D-R-I-Z-L-Y, something like that. We'll find it. We'll put the link in the show notes if <laughs> anyone wants to check them out. So when we think about email performance and obviously what's going on with iOS and the hide my email feature and just tracking in general, how are you and your team going about analyzing email performance? For example, are you still looking at, okay, how is this subject line A versus B impacting an open rate or clicks within an email? What's changed in the last year with everything that's happened in, again, tracking in iOS? So it's interesting because I haven't seen that many changes, like in terms of the way people are thinking about it and talking about it. It's kind of like it was this big news and it is a big change, but we've kind of all just continued on and and managed, possibly because open rates were never so important as compared to click rates and actual conversion rates. So, you know, we would look at the opens and especially for for testing subject lines, things like that. But that was never the end all be all. That was kind of more the vanity metric. And now we are just kind of forced to really focus in on that. Like, okay, no, 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 let's let's not, you know, get distracted by that. So I personally had a lot of fun A-B testing subject lines. And it's annoying to me that, you know, now it's kind of like, okay, is it really the subject line? Is it the click? Is it, you know, kind of, you know, is this really actually significant testing this subject line when we're looking through not actually seeing the open rates, but that's just a personal annoyance thing versus an actual performance thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely just 
What I am more cognizant of is trying to get that click. So working a little bit harder to make the email, you know, surrounding the button with click triggers, making it safe for people to click, kind of doing like a slippery slope technique where people just kind of like slide through the email and click. Um, okay, timeout, timeout, click triggers. <laughs> I, we, need to, we need to define these for the audience because you're, you're getting into... Uh, you're in mega super email expert. Yeah, jargons. All right. So click triggers around a button. Can you describe that? That's just little microcopy that helps people feel more safe and know what they're clicking into. So a lot of times it's really fun to do like with e-commerce emails, especially it's fun to do these buttons that are just like, you know, I need sleep or, you know, a bunch of Z's or, uh, you know, just kind of like fun button copy. But then the person doesn't mm-hmm. actually know necessarily where they're going, what it's taking them to, what they're committing to when they click that button. Yeah. So, you know, putting a button that says, you know, like 50% off sale ends on, okay, nobody does 50% off anymore, but you know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah, just yeah. kind of, you know, check out now or you just like giving them the clarity of what the button is doing or to the opposite, if the button is more of a clear kind of button, then that click trigger can be a little bit more interesting and engaging. It's it's basically, it's to trigger the click. It's something that helps the click happen either by providing more safety or more just engagement, interesting. Oh, I need to click and see what's, what's on the yeah. other side of things. So that's the definition. <laughs> the second part you said to, to slide your way through the email, I think is what you, you mentioned. So what does that, what does that mean? So the slippery slope is, it's actually a writing device. I'm like trying to think where I first said, like I keep thinking uh, Lemony Snicket, but I feel like that was just the name of one of his books. Um, so um, it's basically where you are trying to help the reader continue on. So kind of the same way that a headline is you know, defined as something that people are supposed to read in order to continue reading. Like that's the point yeah. and the goal of your headline. So a slippery slope is a similar kind of thing in that you're just trying to keep them going. You're you're making it very action driven and very like continuous where you're really like continuing through and then you kind of cut off with that button. So they have to continue through and, and click that button. So end, end the sentence, like the dot, 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 and then click through. Is that what you mean? I'm a very literal person, so that's what I'm picturing. <laughs> so it definitely could be. It's more metaphorical. So it can be very literal where, you know, it's like, okay, click here to, to continue. Yeah. You know, you'll see that a lot with like newsletters where it's just a roundup of blog posts and, you know, it's, you have to click to, to continue the blog post. But it also could be more metaphorical where it's just they're left wanting more. There's that cliffhanger and they, they need to continue on. So yeah, it could, it could be either. It's, it's, it's more of a device that you're trying to employ. It's more the idea of, okay, how can we continue them on? And it can take on a lot of different variations. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to try practicing that before we get into your top tips or secrets for a high performing email campaign for e-commerce. That'll come later. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the like the button email. So one one thing that's in SaaS, and I've seen this in email, and we both have been in both for ever 15 years for me, but do you find a difference in performance on an email that has a singular focus and one call to action? Like, here's what this email is about, and here's what I want you to do, versus here's an email with a bunch of stuff in it, and here's a bunch of links that are all going to different places. So if one, one example could be, or if a if a list is segmented, so we're uh, like Fiori, and it's I'm on the the men's clothing or the men's segmented list, 
Is it the, hey, I get an email that's just like, hey, Brad, here's a new line of shirts out, you know, click here to go view the collection or the, hey, Brad, here's what's new in the men's line. Here's a bunch of stuff in the women's collection and here's some accessories. What do, what have you seen with those type and what's what's changed potentially in the last couple of years, if anything? I love this question because I never really nailed it down to be like the difference between SaaS, e-commerce, all that kind of thing. But I did come more from SaaS into e-commerce and it originally very much bothered me that e-commerce is so, so many of the emails have so many CTAs, you know, it's, it's by this product, by that product, by this product, you know, it's just, and it's, oh, also yeah. check us out on Instagram. It's, there's, there's so much going on in one email and it really is just a different audience and medium and more than that, it's instead of one CTA, I like to look at it as one goal. What is the goal of the email? And often with e-commerce, the goal is to get somebody to buy something. It's not necessarily they need to buy this one specific product. It's buy something, buy anything. Um, yeah, yeah. I think also with SaaS, there isn't so many options for people. You know, there's not yeah. this continuous, you know, buy tons of products and, you know, subscribe to, you know, a monthly drop and things like that. So it's just... It's just a different kind of yeah. medium where you you need to be super focused. And e-commerce, you you have the the ability and the freedom to kind of branch out and offer more yeah. more opportunities for conversion. So my my pushback on this and the I would say the industry is if we look at the way SMS and email are treated right now, there's a lot of the welcome modals and mats where it's like, hey, sign up to get ten percent off. And you have to enter your phone number to opt in the SMS. And immediately SMS is very, very short message and one call to action. And SMS performs very well. Who knows how long that'll oh. be, but how long that'll be just with once email or uh, text message inboxes become like email inboxes. But is there something there where it's like, well, you have to have a very short, concise message, message in SMS. And there's one thing you can do. Do you think there's anything there versus performing or comparing performance to emails that it might be more of that batch and blast and like a lot of mixed messages? That's really interesting. I really, yeah, I totally hear that. I think there is also the element of that slippery slope again, where it's just so short. There's nothing else you can do yeah. except click, you know, I mean, you could ignore it, but you know, that's how you engage is just like you read it really quick and you click and and you're you're through to the other side. So I think that helps as well. But that's really interesting because we will often see that the very targeted emails where it just they just have one thing do perform a lot better than the emails that are just kind of, you know, scattered all different uh, options to yeah. click. I always attributed that to a lot of those things are product drops, product launches, kind of more exciting things. Those are the ones that tend yeah. to be more focused. So I always attributed it to that. And, you know, the ones that have a lot of different options are kind of like the the filling the dead space and just kind of like, okay, here we have to send out another campaign. So I'm never expecting them to do as well as the ones that are actually saying something important and exciting for the audience. But that's an interesting point that, you know, by definition, the clicks are going to be higher on that one button than they are, are going to be on, on yeah. a bunch of whole scattered buttons. So... Yeah, something else to test. <laughs> yeah, so we are either in or entering a. Uh, so by the time you listen to this, the Shopify news with ten percent layoffs was the previous was last week. We, I think, when we, you and I first worked together, it was right after COVID. It's either right before COVID or right after. But anyways, I want to transition into just the way that we communicate in turbulent market times. So basically, 
we know consumers are living potentially differently than they were six, 12 months ago. How do you think about changing the copy? So do you change the copy? Do you pretend like nothing's happening? Do you throw in like tongue in cheek type of jokes where, you know, eggs now cost three times as expensive and what, whatever kind of joke you make about that. But how, how can, how can marketers take advantage of the, I don't know, maybe take advantage isn't the right way to put it, but just change the tone and the copy to, again, meet consumers where they are, where we are, where consumers in this, uh, you know, potential stagflation, recession, et cetera, or any other circumstance that's happening. Yeah. It's very interesting because I think a lot of it is fear. Like there's just a lot of fear of, okay, are people actually going to be buying our stuff? Number one. And number two, should we even be selling? Like, do we deserve to be selling when, you know, there's a crisis in the world? That was definitely a a COVID message. And then I think after the Ukrainian war, that's kind of when, you know, that also came up again as a message. You know, we're so blessed. Why are we, you know, trying to sell these $30, you know, luxury items or Okay, not $30 because yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so there's these messages in our head of, you know, is anyone going to buy and should we even be selling this? And I remember when I first started working at an in-house branding agency in New York, I wish I remember the book, but he, I, I believe it was actually maybe the the CEO of Starbucks. Um, so my boss gave me this book to read. And one of the things in it was that during recessions, people actually buy more luxury items because they are feeling pinched on so many other things that they like, this is how this is the outlet. This is how they, you know, so it's not necessarily the high end luxury items. They're not buying the Prada purses, but they're spending more on coffee, on chocolate, on the the smaller things that kind of keep them going. So there definitely is room for definitely necessities and also room for the kind of, you know, self-care, feel good kind of stuff. So in terms of the fear of like, is this going to work? It's really just a matter of resonating with your customers, which is something that you should be doing in any, you know, economic, you know, any times of of prosperity, times of recession, you want to be serving your clients and helping them, you know, live better lives. So dropping that fear, I think helps and also allows you to put yourselves in their shoes of, well, okay, if I'm questioning this, are they going to buy? Why am I questioning that? What is my fear here? What what do they need to hear instead? You know, why do I think they won't buy? And kind of digging into what the customer is experiencing, either running interviews, surveys, talking to them, and just trying to understand, okay, how is their life different? How can I continue to serve you in this? And using that data to then inform things. So definitely, it's going to depend on the brand, whether it should be humor, whether it should be empathy, whether it should be a complete pivot on strategy. But, you know, Definitely, there's no harm in talking to your customers. You always gain so much from kind of understanding what they're experiencing. Um, And then in terms of actually selling, um, I I believe that's more right when the crisis happens, maybe pulling back and using a little bit more empathy. You know, like I remember right right when COVID started, that's when people were like offering tons of discounts and things like that. And then yeah. as time goes on, you know, people understand that you're a business too and you have to uh yeah. <laughs> you have to survive as well. And I've done a number of pricing change emails since I don't know, in the past month or two, just because, you know, inflation is a real thing. And the same way that we're seeing the costs as consumers, the brands are having to increase their prices as well. So people understand that businesses need to survive. And people also want to hear what you did. So can you unpack the pricing outreach, the pricing changes and what that looked like? Because I know I'm getting a lot of questions from customers and just 
hey, how do we go about this? Or should we do it? How do you A-B test it? How do you track it? But for someone like you that's actually gone through this exercise, what have those strategies or, or campaigns looked like? Yeah, so we have two main strategies that we have been using depending on on the company and 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 the audience mostly. I would love to see the test cuz how do you test it because a lot of times it's really just an information email. It's just hey, we're raising our prices, so I'd love to see what the test parameters are. But we have like one of two strategies. The the simplest is just <laughs> inflation, you know, our our costs are rising, so we need to turn around and, you know, raise our prices. That's a less effective. It's not that it's ineffective. It's just less, it it doesn't build as much loyalty. It feels hard to swallow for the customers. They understand, especially if it's a customer base that feels loyal, but it's, you know, it's kind of the, you know, if you have to do that one, then that's, that's the one that, uh, you know, you go with. Um, The other one is going more on the angle of, you know, we haven't raised our prices in X number of years. We have improved our product this much and we are continuing to improve and, you know, and kind of doing like a, a change log almost. So this works really well for SaaS, obviously, where you have an actual literal change log of development updates, but even for products themselves, you know, what have you done to improve your products in the past couple of years? You know, have you introduced new products? Have you, you know, introduced new versions of the products? So doing the kind of like a change log of your product and how you are continuing to serve your customer. And it might not even be product. It might even be the community you're building and the resources that you're offering around it. And just basically, how have you upped the value that then shows you, oh, okay, it's, we have to up the price in order to correlate the pricing change. Uh, How do we value and pricing correlation, basically. Good transition into your thoughts on AI copywriting. The question, how do we handle this outreach to customers or how do we change our messaging? And uh, have you heard of Dolly from OpenAI where it's the, you can describe like, hey, can you generate an image of two people on a podcast you know, with you know a flower and a picture and a background, et cetera, and the AI, AI will generate an image that is what I described? OpenAI, I think they've had this for a while, but there's a lot of those tools out there where it's the AI copywriting, you know, you plug in whatever you're looking for, and then it'll spit out a bunch of recommendations. And I I think with OpenAI and maybe others, you can potentially provide some sentiment. So I want to write about pricing changes, but be be very empathetic and yada, 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 and then generate an output. So we, we chat a little bit offline before we start on this, but just in general, I mean, where where do you fall, and what what do you predict? I mean, this is this is in your world. Where do you predict this ultimately helping you and your team become even better in copywriting and email performance? So the few examples that I've seen of AI stuff has actually been very good, like really, actually, really decent, and not just like you know, oh, it's a rough draft, you know, and we have to really work at it. It's not just an outline. It's it's actually like three quarters of the way there. So my hesitation with it is more. How sustainable is this? Because AI is usually pulling from content that's already written. So is it just going to keep pulling from it? And and then what? Yeah. You know, is it's the well going to run dry? But I'm sure they'll figure something out for that. I think where copywriters will not be, you know, it, it's not a competition for where AI is not a competition for copywriters is more on the creativity side of things where, you know, just coming up with like, interesting ideas that pop and stand out. Um, So kind of the things I was talking about before with, you know, looking in your inbox and just, you know, ideating interesting ideas and strategies that I think is just going to be way down the line in terms of AI stuff. But 
it's definitely a tool that we should be using more. And I think especially one place where I really see where it would be great to use it more is with customer intel. Um, and just going through the data is tedious, you know, where you run an interview and you, you come up with all these amazing insights and just, you know, organizing all the data and, and helping you like prompting you to include it in your copy. So it's not just sitting there in your database, in your drive. It's not just a spreadsheet, but you're actually using it. That is something that really excites me. And those are the tools that I'm leaning on more personally, but yeah, it's AI is just hard for me to I guess changing my process is hard for me. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I'm going getting through it really slowly. Like I I started a transcription service that will kind of like pull out which mm-hmm. insights in the call is, you know, either negative feedback, positive feedback, motivations, wise, things like that. So that's that's my step forward yeah. in using AI. <laughs> yeah. All right. I would uh we've gotten some feedback on past episodes where people want to know like the how to implement what we're talking about. So let's uh and Nevin, you're you're one of them if you're listening. So let's go back to the talking to your customers. Is this actual survey? So you are reaching out to some of your top customers, setting up interviews. Is it you are running a post-purchase survey or potentially a hot jar, like you know, pop up a question on a landing page? Are those two? I'm assuming those are two, but can you just describe the actual tactics of how an e-com brand could talk to their customer? And extract out some of these insights that we can you can pull into copy, pull into other aspects of the of the business. Yes, it's it's all of those and more. So ecom usually has a lot more to lean on in terms of customer reviews and Facebook groups and Instagram and you know people just talk about products that they use. They recommend them to friends. They you know are you know asking questions from friends about them. So just reading all that kind of stuff, any any group that deals with the problem that you solve or the space that you're in. So let's say, you know, if you sell mattresses, then just going into Facebook groups that, you know, for insomniacs, um, you know, and just kind of understanding who they are, what they're struggling with, what their motivations are, what their triggers are, what their objections are, all that kind of stuff. So it's obviously the most amazing when you get it from your actual customers, from surveys, from interviews it's more directed. It's also for your particular product versus just the problem that your product solves. But if you don't have that, you know, either you're newer, you don't have so many customers or your customers are just not agreeing to interviews with you, then you definitely, you have, you have all that data and, and for sure set up post-purchase surveys and hot jars. And there's just, it's a gold mine, that stuff. And it makes it so much easier. You don't have to work so hard to come up with, okay, so why would they not want to buy this? How should we be addressing, you know, objections? Let's let's think through the objections. Like, just know, listen to them and hear what their objections are themselves. And reviews in particular, people leave the most interesting, the, the language they use to describe, you know, their arrival at the yeah. promised land with your product or the problems they were having beforehand. They're just so visual and illustrative and and it's it's copy you would never come up with yourself like it has to come from them and it it feeds so much of the the creative process of copywriting it really i find like it's a cheat almost (laughs) i don't have to work as hard when i have great data to work with (laughs) and what was the tool you mentioned that analyzes either call recordings or you can upload transcriptions or upload reviews or whatever it is and they can start picking out sentiment what's the what are some tools that people can look at that 
can accomplish that? Um, it's Fathom. I'm not sure if it's Fathom AI or there's a bunch of Fathoms. So <laughs> check like Fathom call <laughs> and yeah. uh, they're in beta. So I've been having issues with like, you know, dropping them on the calls and getting them on my calls and all that kind of thing. But the team is amazing. Like the support is great and they're really working hard to get it out of beta. So, so far, so good. I know we started using one recently. It starts with A and uh, it'll be in the show notes. But uh, <laughs> it sits and listens and pulls out. You can direct it during the call, I think, and say, and just teach it on how to actually list out action items. Anyways, there's a there's a bunch of tools and that, that's going to continue to advance. Yeah, Otter is actually to do that as well. Yeah, it's an alternative to Otter, actually. Uh, again, nice. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. All right, top secrets or top tips. So let's leave everyone with some tactical takeaways they can go test and implement today on their e-com, email, performance campaigns, workflows, whatever it is, the floor is yours, Nikki. What are, uh, what are your top secrets or, or tips to, uh, to recommend? So that was what we were just talking about. The number one thing is, you know, talk to your customers, read what they're, you know, leaving for you everywhere and use that. So instead of just coming up with ideas on your own or just, you know, okay, let's run another promotion or let's, you know, build some content and send it out, you know, think through what they're like, experience yourself, what they're going through when you, you know, talk to them, when you read the reviews, all that kind of stuff, they're handing it to you on a silver platter. Uh, so take it and use it because that's, that's what's going to be most relevant for them. That's what's going to resonate with them. And it's just also easier on your end that you don't have to work so hard to kind of pull things out of the air. You, you, you get it, you know, from their mouth. So an example would be, I'll use that same mattress company. So if you, you sell mattresses, let's say you've never used insomnia in any of your features or bullet points, but you find somewhere that someone either really loves your mattress because, you know, you had insomnia, now you don't, you're sleeping great is basically pull the customer's language and voice and pull that into uh, an email or even bullet points on a product page, but basically take, take what they said, cheat for them and pull it into the email. I'm just repeating myself twice, but is that right? (laughs) Or even if they're not even talking about your product, you know, when they're just talking about what they're struggling with, you know, let's say they're, they're just using language like, you know, I was tossing and turning all night and then I found this great mattress and now I sleep like a baby. So, you know, that's obviously not a very creative example because I'm pulling it from my head, but, you know, using your headline or your subject line to be something like tossing and turning all night. Okay. Bad example. Again, very generic because it's coming from my head and not the customer, but using the language that they're coming up with and and the sh- problems that they're struggling with or the outcomes that they come out with to yeah. color in your copy. Yeah. Cool. All right, that was number 1. What's number 2? Uh okay, number 2 is kind of uh, again we were talking about this previously but having a goal for every email and really thinking through what your customers are going through. So again, like I mentioned, you know, a lot of times in the post purchase you'll get like, hey, leave a review or tell us how we did or, you know, follow us on social or refer a friend even, you know, like literally a day after receiving the product, refer a friend. Often the customer wants to experience it before leaving a review, before referring a friend, before any of these things. And they're just not ready at that stage. So kind of think through as a customer, it's really great to it kind of run focus groups. Uh, you know, it used to be that we would do focus groups back in the day and we've kind of let go of that. And it's just so helpful to hear 
how people are experiencing your product, send it to them. What's the unboxing experience like? What are the emails like? You know, are you sending too many? Because there's all these like, you know, you're sending the newsletter at the same time that you're sending the post-purchase and you just get the outside experience of how they're experiencing it and understanding what they would actually want to be experiencing. So just kind of putting yourself in their shoes and also talking to them and seeing how they're experiencing things. So again, talking to your customers, but more from an angle of how are they experiencing your product in relation to all the different, um, you know, communications that you're sending at the same time. Yeah. Cool. Number three, what's number, I don't know what what we're going to, but what's the next one? (laughs) (laughs) Let's go to 10,000. Number three, um, I think, let's say number three, try to encourage conversation. So a lot of community is built, you know, in social media and, you know, even even in actual communities. But especially with SMS, if you have two-way SMS, that's like a great way to encourage conversation and, you know, move away from just the engagement of the clicks and the conversions and the purchases and more into, okay, how can we engage our audience? How can we get them excited to see our name in the inbox where it's not just about the purchase always, but kind of like a nurturing 2.0 where it's you're engaging with them. And that's just one thing that I love to look at is like the replies. Again, it's customer data to keep looking at, but it's also, it shows you, okay, they care enough to hit reply. What are they caring about? What's interesting to them? What's important to them? You know, and, and what did we hit? What was our success that gave them that, that push to hit reply? So getting that engagement it really helps them feel more loyal and more committed to your brand. Yeah. Is there a number four? Is there a number four? Um, Okay. This is my main pet peeve ever (laughs) with e-commerce emails is get rid of the social media icons in your footer. Um, Unless it's, it's strategic where you're trying to nurture them more and give them your social media content. If it's just there because it's a template, Often your email has a different goal and you don't want them going out to social media. You just want them clicking the button. You want them staying in the email. So get rid of those. <laughs> All right. That's like the leaky bucket syndrome with where like a footer, a footer and checkout is getting people out. Okay. That's a good one. That's an easy one. I'm going to keep pulling. What's number five? What, what else you got? Um, let's think. I mean, I'm seeing interesting stuff with blogs in e-commerce that, you know, more more and more brands are building content. And I think it's a good strategy. People are looking for content and, you know, it just builds that relationship more. So they're you're more top of mind. You're more they trust you more. So yeah. that's uh obviously not an easy strategy to start to just, oh, let's build out content. But it could be easy. It could be, you know, just a, you know, where the founder does a Q&A, you know, once a month or, you know, you build on influencers and guest webinars and things like that. It doesn't have to be, you could kind of minimum viable, you know, make it something easy to start with and then slowly build it more. That was going to be my reason why using machine driven copy creation is going to, it's it's not going to replace copywriters. It's going to enhance the quality, like you said, because there's such a plethora of content that needs to be created across so many platforms and emails and some of the content you don't really care that much about. Like if it's a YouTube short intro that, by the way, I'm very bullish on YouTube shorts for e-com and, <laughs> and SaaS, but uh, there's just so many places that you need to create copy and keep some, keep somewhat of a consistent voice, but it's just, mm-hmm. can you, can you really keep up with it where your, your high performing campaigns like SMS and email, are they, 
potentially getting watered down because there's mm-hmm. all this other copy that needs to be created for posting five times a day on Instagram or on Facebook mm-hmm. or TikTok or YouTube or Reddit or wherever else you might go. But that was uh, that's where my mind goes when I think about that machine machine supported copywriting. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like expanding your team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's leverage. It's buying leverage so you can focus on higher leverage activities. So mm-hmm. again, writing copy across different social networks, if it's not ad copy or if it is ad copy, you know, there's, there's obviously one might be a $10 type of task and then mm-hmm. one particular email campaign or SMS campaign that might be a $100,000 task because it's a big promotion, big product release, et cetera. So anyways, that's, yeah. uh, we don't, we don't use a ton of it here at Elevar, but definitely bullish on it and see a lot of use cases for it in e-com and SaaS and every business. Cool. All right. Yeah, where yeah. can people uh, where can people find you and get in touch with you, Nikki? Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, my website. I have a newsletter that is basically when I have something to say. So uh, I like to think that it's only high quality stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's not just like oh, I have to churn something out, but um, you know, just thoughts on e-commerce, SaaS, email strategy, kind of musings basically on on what's going on in the industry and you know ideas to test out things like that. So. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Nikki, we first worked together in our V1 to V2 upgrade with our Shopify app years ago. And we, I remember telling you after the fact, I would get customers respond to me stating that they're just basic because it was a five email campaign or 10, whatever it was, but they're responding saying like, this is amazing. I already have already upgraded, but I'm just keep giving me one of these emails because I'm using it for creative inspiration. This goes back to your point in the beginning of where do you learn? You subscribe and, and listen. And uh, so that's uh, a lot of our customers uh, back then were, were loving loving what you're doing. So go uh, go look up uh, Nikki. A link will be in the show notes and uh, take her test drive on her site. With that, All right. Thanks. not quite the longest episode ever, but pretty close. See you next week. <laughs> thanks, Nikki. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar, that's E-L-E-V-A-R, or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again.